We are getting close, aren't we? Advanced polls uh, open today at 9 a.m. So this decision is coming soon. Are you still weighing your options and waffling? Uh, or are you just interested to see how this drama is going to play out? Our next guest uh, and I are going to have a conversation talking about how each party offers families support or will offer them support once they win power. He's a professor at the University of British Columbia and founder of Generation Squeeze, which looks at eroding housing affordability across the country. Paul Kershaw is joining the show. Paul, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. So, Paul, Generation Squeeze did a bunch of research looking at how uh, each party, the UCP and the NDP, are going to try to help families with kids or families about to have kids uh, during this election. The most significant or a big, a big significant promise from both parties is money for the $10 a day child care. But can you clarify that a little bit, what your research saw? Because I thought that this was something that came from the federal government. Uh, brilliant. Yeah. So a lot of the talk about affordability so far in the election has been around, you know, freezing gas fuel taxes or energy bills or insurance and whatnot. Those all matter for affordability. But a month's worth of childcare uh, can often, you know, be equivalent to the savings that those kinds of policies will deliver. So we were looking at the degree to which the UCP and the NDP were promising other important things for families raising young kids. They both do refer to $10 a day childcare. You're absolutely right. The bulk of that money comes from the federal government. And I think that's actually especially interesting for the UCP with its Sovereignty Act and whatnot, that mm. the biggest thing it's really doing for families is relying on Justin Trudeau's government to deliver the funds. <laughs> the NDP will kick in an extra billion dollars on top of what the federal government will be sending over to accelerate uh, the implementation of the $10 a day plan. Um, so on that front, the NDP is a little bit ahead of the UCP. So, okay, there's there's at least that that campaign point that both of them are championing. Is there anything else that either party is really is really suggesting that they're going to do to help families? Well, specifically with regards to family policy, you might have looked like is either party promising to make our parental leave system better? And both of them are quiet about that. Or coming out of the pandemic, we've learned a lot about work-life balance and, you know, the pros and cons from working from home and flex time. Are there any efforts from in either party to sort of capture the best of those trends and eliminate the worst parts? And there's no mention of that. I think that the, probably the next most significant thing to talk about really is sort of the, the theme of housing more generally, which will be an affordability issue for everyone in the province, uh, and is especially a challenging one often for younger people at the moment that their biological clocks are tick-tocking and they're wanting to start their families. And I think on that front, you know, you know, Calgary or pardon me, Edmonton and Alberta more generally has you know this this two experiences. On the one hand, you have an erosion of affordability over the last many decades. It used to take about six years of full-time work to save a 20% down payment on an average home in your province. Now it's taking about 10 years. But by comparison with Alberta, uh, pardon me, Ontario and BC, where it takes 22 years, you have this relative advantage. I highlight that because I expected the two parties to be competing over whose vision is better for protecting that Alberta advantage with regards to housing affordability. And neither of them are very strong. The UCP blew me away of the 27 themes they referred to on their campaign platform website. They don't mention housing as one of those themes. I find that shocking as someone who does come from a province where we've utterly lost control of housing affordability, and I didn't think another province's governing party could be that sort of casual. The NDP is a bit better. They have a vision to some degree to improve your not-for-profit housing sector. That really matters. 
but they're quite weak in terms of thinking about some of the problems that pop into the regular market. And that's where the vast majority of Albertans are finding their homes. I wonder if it's because, you know, in both of these situations, when you're talking about uh, increasing supports for, for people raising young families or, you know, those looking for affordable housing options, maybe the campaigns just aren't directed to those people because that's not who's going to be voting or that's not who's being seen to be giving some votes this, this election. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's a clever observation. And then you make my heart kind of fall and think. <laughs> I don't, I don't I do want know that, that to be the case. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I know politics responds to those who organize and show up. And sure. so that's why Generation Squeeze actually does these analyses of the platforms trying to reduce one reason why people don't cast a vote. Like, I can't make sense of what's different between these parties. So we can tell you on a range of issues from family to housing to climate to budgets. But one thing really did capture my attention on this on this point that you raise. In Alberta, both of your parties are proposing to to spend on medical care and education and social services so much more generously for those over 65 by comparison with those under 45, the generations raising young kids. And the gaps that both of the parties are proposing are much larger than what you would find in B.C. or Ontario. And so you're right. Both of these parties are disproportionately courting an older vote if well, if you can judge uh, who they're most interested in prioritizing by where they're spending most of their money. You talk a little bit in your in your research about comparing Canada to other countries and how the average Canadian employee works 300 hours more each year than someone in, in a European country like Germany or in Denmark. So, you know, when we kind of compare those situations, you really see that there is a big gap here that really does need to be addressed in terms of lending more support to those raising families. I mean, this isn't an imagined problem, Paul. No, I mean, 300 more hours, that's like eight weeks of additional work over the calendar year to earn roughly equivalent incomes as in those other places. And, you know, that to some degree in Canada, we still have these employment norms that come out of the Second World War, where then we were assuming there'd be one breadwinner uh, and one person staying at home. It didn't really ever play out quite like that, but we sort of had this one earner family in mind. In mind. But if you flash forward to today, we have so many more dual earner households and lone parents who are in the labor market. And that's because the cost of housing has largely left uh, what full-time work can pay. And, you know, we have feminism that's driving that as well. But this gap between home prices and local earnings is a real challenge that often is requiring more parental time in the labor market. And that then crowds out time at home. And, you know, I think that Alberta is a family values kind of place. And so I am finding it discouraging at this moment that neither party is really thinking, well, what does that mean Mm -hmm. other than I can, you know, contain your insurance costs or help you at the pump when you fill up your car. But there's so much more to investing in families so we protect what's sacred, like a healthy home and a healthy childhood. And right now, I think both parties are a bit distracted from offering that to the residents of Alberta. Yeah, it's disheartening to think that both parties are, you know, sort of both taking a a silent stance when it comes to some of these really big issues. And I really wonder about a race that's so tight and so close, what that's going to look like to govern this province when you have, you know, maybe 50 percent of of the support of your constituents. What makes you passionate about wanting to, to look into this, Paul? 
Oh, what makes me passionate is I, you know, I really want your province, my province, all of Canada to, you know, to protect things that we do hold, hold as sacred, like a healthy home and a planet and childhood. These things matter. I want us to leave it as much as we've inherited. And I think right now some of the trends that I've been describing for you show that the standard of living is at risk of being in decline for a younger demographic and those of any age who are coming as newcomers and for future generations. And so I want to hold the feet of the parties to the fire as they're putting on offer a vision for us. And right now, you know, it's such a razor sharp, uh, you know, competition for who's going to win your legislature. And interestingly, that's having both parties converge more uh, with their visions and, you know, not really offering really distinct uh, visions of like where to go from here. And uh, I don't know, I, I wish that there was more of a commitment to intergenerational fairness. Well, Paul, thank you so much for sharing your findings and uh, for sharing your passion with us this afternoon. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. And if people want to find out more, they can go to gensqueeze.ca and click on Alberta Votes. Sounds good. Okay, thanks, Paul. Paul Kershaw is professor at the University of British Columbia and founder of Generation Squeeze, which, as he said, looks at eroding housing affordability across the country. And in this case, their research looked at what do the different parties offer families raising young kids this election. It is coming up very soon, May 29th. As we mentioned, advanced polls opened this morning at 9 a.m. And it's going to be a very tight and very interesting race.